All right, so welcome to Unsigned 518. I am here with Mbe Este, and I have the entire gang here. So uh, everybody, just go ahead and give a give a hey, what's up? Hey, hey what's Andy, up? How are you, man? Hello. Yeah. Um, and so what we're going to do is, since you know there's a, a whole band here, we're going to start at the left here, and just everybody go around and kind of introduce themselves and uh, the role that they play in the band. All right. My name is Mike Dimon, and I'm the bass player. I'm Scott Collins. I'm the guitar player. My name is Aaron Shields. I'm the drummer. Hi, I'm Lady T, and I do box and percussion and sometimes flute so we were going to talk about basically um mbsd or is it it's st right am i pronouncing that right yeah mbsd see i've been pronouncing it right this whole time that's amazing uh but so we're going to go back basically with the the formation of the bands um kind of talk a little bit about everybody's influences how it all came together to form what is here in the dazzle den right now so uh who wants to take the lead and kind of go with the the uh, origin story of mbsd uh sure i can kind of address that so i had an idea um a while ago i was playing in a group called Corey soron which was uh myself and another guitar player farzad Golpegani, and a percussionist dean mirabito when we were doing more uh silk road type of stuff, like stuff with a lot of Middle Eastern influences and North Indian influences, instrumental. And it was cool, but I was really just started jonesing playing electric again. I really miss playing electric. We were doing a lot of acoustic stuff and and, uh, gigging pretty regularly. I had reached out to Mike because I had kind of an idea originally of doing something that was more uh, Afrobeat and dance centric. That was kind of of the, the impetus for the idea. And we sort of talked about what that would look like and and how that would come together and then gradually we just started looking for people uh which was a, which you know anytime you start a band it's a saga <laughs> unto itself if you don't already have ready-made people so it's a it's a uh campbell's hero's journey to try to find various people that you can kind of play with and get along with and um that with tanya was next and then uh we had a different drummer and now we got uh aaron playing with us so the band name mbst was uh, Lady T's idea, actually. It's an alliteration of uh, the um, initials of our name. Oh, wow. We were going through. So originally it was Mike, Bob, Scott, Tanya, MBST. Technically, we should be calling it Emma ST now since Eric, <laughs> since Aaron's playing the band. I, we, haven't, we haven't talked about that yet, but that might be a separate meeting. But that's the... But that was basically the that was basically the impetus for it, and uh, I, I think that the the one thing I'm just gonna say, and I'm gonna let other people talk about it more because they have definitely better opinions and more eloquent opinions than one I'm gonna come up with right now. But one thing that was really important to me, it's always been important to me in various projects that I play in, is making sure that it's really a collaborative project. So if someone's bringing something to the table. It's more of making sure that everyone else has their kind of peace into it. So I did not want to have a situation where I was coming in and saying, here's the bass part, here's the drum part, here's the here's the, the vocal line or whatever. I really want it to be a collaborative thing because there's some people that can pull that off really well. People that do the one-man band thing and the studio thing and build that stuff up. But for me, it's really more about collaborating with people and really more about having the energy in the room and kind of working with people and especially the people that are in this room right now. So it's really more about getting together with them and playing and what happens when all of us are just doing something differently and pushing things in a little bit of a different way. So to me, it was a big reason why our first recording was done live. 
Uh, it's a big reason why we're working on another live recording uh, that's coming up that we'll talk about in a little bit. I really want to have some stuff that is a representation of what it is when you go to see the band in the room, not some studio trickery of like, wow, that sounds amazing. And then you go see it and there's, you know, uh, 48 tracks of music playing in the background and three people in front, one with (laughs) a guitar and a bass, and you don't really even know what they're doing. So for me, that's really important, both as a, as a live musician and as a, as a performer in terms of songwriting and process, that's kind of more where I'm coming from, but I think Mike and T and Aaron probably have more to say that than I do. Yeah. One of the things that, that I found really surprising. Um, so Scott and I started this band, Scott started it, brought me on. I was doing some solo shows and Scott would come and we would jam and out of the blue, he said, let's do it. And, and, and Scott's really kind of a real musical force. And so when he comes with an idea, that first inkling is that I'm going to play what he wants. And anybody who knows my playing knows that I, I don't, I just don't do that. I, I, even the bass lines that I played three weeks ago, I don't play today. So it was a little bit unnerving for me when I would say to Scott, you know, is this thing okay? Looking for his approval on a song that he wrote. And he would say, yeah, it's fine. And it's like, oh, okay, it's fine. But that collaboration is, is so important. I don't think there's a song that any of us have brought to this uh, ensemble that hasn't been changed by other members of the band. And, and that everybody's influence is not only honored and respected, but incorporated. Now, would you say when a song comes together, does it usually come together with one member writing multiple parts with the idea that they're going to be changed? Kind of, or how, how would you say that the songwriting process goes, I suppose? Yeah, I'll, I'll take on that one. Predominantly, I do most of the lyrics, but what I found is that someone brings a creative nugget to the table mike might bring a bass line that's how war on the dance floor got started scott brought in uh some uh licks from a song he did uh tdf and so that's how that one got started and uh for example there was this one time where i was in the in the laundry room and i had dried my sneakers in the dryer and was making this cool rhythm and I'm like oh I'm gonna take this and make a song on that's how Viva got started right and then when you know Aaron's playing he always adds something to it that complements everything so I think it's a really collaborative process and because of that that's why we had this unique sound. And now, so uh, Aaron, I was told that I was going to have to have to d- drag drag some uh, vocals out of you on on the show. But I guess I'm going to try to do that now. So hey. you're not the original percussionist, but you're the percussionist now. So how yeah. long have you been with the band? And um, I guess from your point of view, how would you describe your entry into the band? Um, I've been with the band for three years, three years now. Okay, so certainly not the new guy. Yeah, not, not the <laughs> new guy anymore. Yeah, so um, yeah, but um, coming into the band, uh, it was like it was different for me because I was like, oh look, I was twenty, 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 twenty. Yeah, you're twenty. Yeah, twenty years old. So I'm like with, uh, <laughs> with these adults, <laughs> right? Right. So uh, I'm kind of like trying to find my way, how to you know incorporate my you know different ideas into the band. Because they already have their things, so I'm just trying to find a way to, you know, put my little two cents in. So that was, um, I mean, that was kind of like a fun process because you get to try different things multiple times. And, um, yeah, and these guys, they give me, like, an opportunity to, like, just explore with different different ideas 
and a lot of well a lot of the time when we do jam we get ideas from that and make you know songs aaron's aaron's first gig was canceled because of covid oh that's kind of the timeline on this whole thing yeah Yeah. that's a that's a bummer that put you know put puts puts the timeline into into frame i suppose yeah but so speaking of songs we're we're kind of at that point where we would like to hear an mbst song so do you have a song in mind something that we should uh that we could hear yeah so we're gonna we're gonna play uh a song called war on the dance floor this was uh as t said started with a bass line that i wrote and i went to t and i said this is sort of 1940s, 1950s Cuba, smoky, dark dance club. And there's intrigue. And then T took it from there. Cool. All right. Well, let's hear War on the Dance Floor, and then uh, we'll come back and uh, talk about it a little bit uh, with MBST. <laughs> Thank you. 
their love affair ends When the dancing is over Their love and the music has died And she can't be friends When she's found a new lover But what of her ex-lover's pride? All right, so that was War on the Dance Floor, MBST. Uh, so tell me a little bit about War on the Dance Floor. I guess, uh, Scott, you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah, sure. This is uh, this is a bass idea that Mike brought, and um, this speaks a lot to Mike's musicality because this is a tune that's an odd meter tune, and it doesn't feel like an odd meter tune. So if you're actually counting it out, you'll realize it's got like a little bit of like a what the Balkans call a limp to the music when it when it moves in an odd meter to it. But he's he manages to, to pull the bass line in a way that you, that you really have to kind of listen to to get that feel out of it. You know, as a band, like from a guitar perspective, my thing basically is to just kind of stay out of the way, really simplify things and just sort of not muddy the waters in that. There's a lot of bands, if they're playing something that's in a challenging time signature, there, there's someone's, you know, you can count it off and there's that big accent on the one, you know, so, so we want to kind of get away from that and just have, you know, that if the idea is musical, whatever the time signature is or whatever the key is, we're just going to kind of work with it and make it be that and have it be a musical idea rather than like, Hey, here's this thing that we know how to do and we're going to try to show off here. So it's a, it's a, um, there's a lot of subtlety. In it. And I think it's really more about, uh, you know, after Mike kind of laying that foundation and bringing in that compositional idea, it's really more about what Tanya does with it vocally uh, and lyrically, and then uh, just kind of building it up as an ensemble. So, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about that part of it, T, but... Yeah, I think, um, you know, my job as Vox is is two-part, right? I'm coming up with the melody line for the lyrics and I had to come up with the lyrics. And so I, for this one, um, it was very clear to me what the story was going to be. So to really put in the lyrics in a form that would not stomp on other people's parts, but be value added, I thought was very important to me. Um, and because there's that kind of 1940s feel, um, we really uh, are, Full of like drama and intrigue in this song and I think people feel that and I think that um, when you listen to the lyrics and you listen to the story um, it makes it more interesting but of course with the drums and the bass and the guitar you want to move to sure. right that's that's the point of having a fun song like this it's also you want to we want to try to have something in the set too 
so that the set builds in kind of a dynamic form too. You don't want all the tunes to be up-tempo in one area. You don't want all the tunes to be ballads. You want to have that constant mix of things so you're kind of taking people on a ride when you go through the performance part of it too. It's not just like kind of a static experience through it. So so for us, it was an important song too, I think, uh, tempo-wise and in terms of mood too, because it set something different for us aside. And I think it opened up a couple other doors for us in how we approach some things. When I, you know, when I wrote that bass line, I, I wasn't consciously thinking of writing something in an odd meter. It just happened. And then when I went back to transcribe it so I could give it to everybody, I'm trying to count four and, I, and it wasn't working. And so the beauty of that is, is that, as Tanya and Scott said, it's danceable. You don't realize you're dancing in odd meter, but you are. And that's kind of the beauty of the music because it's just about the flow of the music and that time signature that, you know, that backbeat or that, that one and three, the, you know, the clap on two and four, it, it's not there, but it doesn't, it doesn't inhibit the danceability of the music. Yeah. And what, and what makes it danceable actually is the, I think the combination of the drums and the, the bass is that part of it. Uh, I'm just, I'm just kind of some sugar coating that's on the top of it. And then Tanya's the one that's bringing in that lyrical element of it too. But I mean, Aaron, you, you've been playing this song for a while now. Like, how are you, how are you approaching it? Uh, I pay attention a lot to uh, Mike's the um, bass line, the pattern of how the bass line is moving throughout the song. So I usually try to follow that to, as like a bass line to, you know, play around and then come back in on on the pattern so i just follow the pattern and just throw like a like different um like conga line type elements into it to kind of fit the the mood of the song so yeah (laughs) 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 pretty much yeah i mean i just try to try to make it sound like how how it how i think it should sound Right. right so He's a real moody drummer. Yeah. <laughs> I may not show it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean if it if it if it works right, you've set a mood and then what the the ideal thing is people come back afterwards and go, "Man, that thing in the middle, that was really cool." Even if they can't put their finger on what it is or know like what the what the idea of it is, like they can just sit there and identify a moment in the show that moved them and that's that's really all I'm looking for. It's just those moments in the show where somebody got touched by something and was like, oh, okay, yeah, you you dug it. Great. Right. And that'll keep people coming yeah. back, you know, because even yeah. if they can't identify what it is, yeah. they'll, they'll keep keep searching for what it was, you know. Um, so I guess we'll, we're at that point where we're going to play another tune. And while um, War on the Dance Floor was recorded live, this one was recorded at Jive Hive Live. Right. And... We, I mean, my my band got a chance to record at Jive Hive Live just a couple weeks. Well, something like six weeks ago, and we did basically the same thing where we did a completely live album. Um, we did five so- or EP, I guess. We did five songs, no overdubs, just m- mistakes and all. Like you know, we had somebody mix the separate tracks, but nothing, nothing added. And it was one of the coolest experiences of like, uh, uh, certainly of my musical career. That's about a year old now, but uh, maybe of my life. So I, you know, I'm sure you guys thought it was cool, but I don't know. Maybe what, you didn't what think amazing, it was as profound as I did. Like, yeah, I was just gonna say, what a, what an amazing gift to the Albany music area. Right. 
I mean, that's such a that's such an incredible venue, and that's such a obvious labor of love. When you look at it, and you look at the time and thought that went into the setup, and the lighting, and all the stuff, and all the stuff that they can do that was really kind of brought in with this idea of like, hey, we're gonna really have a place where bands can showcase what they do in the best light possible. And uh, I, I'm I'm eternally grateful. You know, we want to give a shout out to Tom O'Connor and Stacy and the crew there, Alec and Mikey and everyone that really puts it on the line there for everyone and all the fans that come out. They support local music and we love the Jive Hive. Well, just real quick, when we went into Jive Hive, we were hoping to get 10 minutes of usable material for ourselves. And we actually got well over an hour. Right. And I think part of that was the vibe and the support of Jive Hive. And the song you're going to listen to now is called Carried Away. This was this was one of those songs where Scott had come up with a definitive line and had it written out for me. And for some reason, I just didn't really... I couldn't play it, didn't feel it, and came up with something different. Tanya again came up with the lyrics. It was one of those ones I said in the beginning, like, Scott, is this okay? And he's like, yeah, sure, that's great. Yeah, I think that I think I came in with a bass line and that ended up becoming the guitar line in the tune. And then you just ended up doing something different, which is, you know, great. It's what we do. Yeah, it's what we do. <laughs> uh, Tanya, anything you want to say about the song before we hear it? You know, I for, for folks that don't listen to lyrics, I, I think you should. Um, and, and for this song, it's not so much a story. Sometimes lyrics will 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 come to me uh, when I hear the music. Other times it can take, you know, a longer time for them to develop. Um, and this song's really about noticing nature and people, right? Because we are surrounded daily by these awesome things in our lives. And this is an ode to nature and people. All right. And the name of the song is Carried Away, right? Yeah, the song is Carried Away. And the one last thing I want to throw out, we can talk about this afterwards, but I think the thing that's also uh, uh, important for me for this tune is that Aaron actually gets the last word uh, on this tune. So. Awesome. All right, so let's hear Carried Away, and we'll be right back to wrap it up with MBSD. Shines bright on the trees along my way. Now breathe in the sounds from passing by. They're lost in the queue of nature's parade. I'm carried away. I'm carried away by you. The street that's on your way. Now drink in the vibes of passersby. Get lost in the queue of the people parade. Get carried away. I'm carried away by. 
skies now. Let's open our eyes now. Let's look to the skies now. Let's open our eyes now. Compete in the stars when passes by. Get lost in the view of the people parade. I'm carried away. Get carried away. I'm carried away. I'm carried away by you. So that was Carried Away, MBSD. And uh, I want to thank you all for making the drive out to the uh, to the country. I know it's not a not a super easy drive from Albany sometimes, but you did it, and it's amazing. But anyway, so I want to thank you for coming out. And before we go, I'd like to give everybody just a, a chance to kind of say their, their thank yous or their, their highs or whatever. So we'll, we'll start over here with Mike. First of all, I want to thank you. And I want to thank you and Nippertown and Unsigned 518. Because we live in a place where the appreciation for original music is on the decline. And we see it in venues that always did original music are now doing tributes. Those, tr- those bands were once did original music, right? And we're losing that. And I think having a venue where we're educating people about original music in this area, which is some really great stuff. And, and that, that's, you know, kudos to you. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So I want to say thank you um, to you, Andy, and, and Nippertown, um, and again, the Jive Hive. Uh, they have really been the shiny beacon over these past couple of years because of COVID. And although, you know, we were pretty prolific in, um, you know, coming up with, with new material, it was, it was hard. So to be able to come out into this is really exciting. And to let you know that we're actually doing a showcase again at the Jive Hive uh, coming up in, in September. So um, just want folks to, to know that uh, the Dive Hive is still there for, for folks. And again, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Aaron? Uh, thank you, Andy, for having us. Uh, enjoyed myself. Um, hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to thank everybody that's been a part of this project in any way, shape, or form. I want to thank everybody here for for following along with a goofy idea that I had well, uh, for trying to do something cool and and stuck it out and switched as you know we the the sound evolved and changed a lot over time and everybody stuck with it you know particularly coming out of something like COVID it's very difficult to keep a band together uh, it's very difficult to keep projects moving and I feel like we're just trying to get some inertia together so. I want to thank everybody that's that's here now, everybody that's played with us before, everybody that's come to see us at a show, everybody that's that's booked us, and anybody that's just taken the time to listen to what we're doing. Um, 
and supported us in any way. So, you know, thanks to everyone. All right. Well, again, MBSD, and I'll uh, link to your socials and your music so that everybody can easily find you on the Nipper Town page. But again, that is uh, MBSD. I am Andy Scullin. This is Unsigned 518, and I'll see you on the road. Unsigned 518 is produced in conjunction with Nippertown. You can find new episodes here every week on nippertown.com. If you are a band or musician in the 518 area code and would like to be on Unsigned 518, shoot me an email at unsigned518 at gmail.com. I'm your host, Andy Scullin. I'll be back next week with another episode of Unsigned 518. Thanks for listening.